The holiday shopping season is here, and we hope that Godzilla Media can be a part of your shopping experience. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, if you've just been introduced to Godzilla Media, show your support. Head over to the merch store now. It's available at GodzillaMedia.com, or if you're listening to this podcast on our audio side, just click on the information below and click that link. Check the stuff out, man. Hoodies, t-shirts, and more if you enjoyed the podcast. Support us, and just by you listening right now, if you use the promo code Godzilla Ship free again Godzilla ship free you get free shipping on your order that's right deal available up until New Year's Eve this year Godzilla ship free order your t-shirts order your hoodies and more we appreciate that support head over to the Godzilla media store now if you're wondering what to get somebody for the holiday season and if you're prepping for 2022 you got to make sure your finances are in order how can you make it happen Northeastern Insurance and our pal Jared Lozier, a proud sponsor of Godzilla Media and Getting There with Gaz. So you're starting to wonder, do I have the right car insurance? My home? My business? Are all the numbers adding up or could there be a better price where we could save cash for the upcoming year? That's where Jared steps in. Email him today. If you're wondering about your price and how they stack up, he'd love to get you a quote right now. J-A-R-E-D-L at nemail.com. J-A-R-E-D-L at N-E-Mail.com. Or you can call him today for a quote. If you're looking for that information, again, right here on the info description, just look over. Hey, who was that insurance guy guys was talking about? Northeastern Insurance. I'm going to save some money. His info's right here on the podcast. Jared Lozier, Northeastern Insurance. Make sure he's a part of your plans and you find the right quote. Simple and easy this holiday season. Now, on to this week's episode of Getting There with Gaz. Getting there with God. 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 This is now, I'm calling it the season one finale. We're closing out 2021 with Brian Sinkoff, and I like a two-parter to close it out so you can listen to this whenever you want during the holiday season. We left off, again, if you're joining us for part two, go back to part one. We talk about his time in Maryland covering NFL, Major League Baseball, all these different sports, his time in college as well. We're now at Norfolk. We're talking a top 40 market, television. This is, this is big stuff. Take us through what happens with some of the experiences and stories of your time in Norfolk. Well, as I said in uh, in part one, um, Percy Harvin at, at, uh, was the best, you know, was the best high school athlete I ever covered. But I was the weekend um, sports anchor uh, there at WTKR, the CBS affiliate. Uh, it was it was great being in Norfolk. You know, it was like my mom is from there. Um, my cousin who's like my brother, you know, his best man at my wedding. He still lives there. Um, a lot of, you know, I, I knew a lot of people there and I just made a lot of friends and really got tied into the community. Um, you know, my cousin, I, I have a distant cousin who was the mayor of Newport news where like Iverson and Vicar from. Um, so it was just, I really felt entrenched in the community. Um, and so I was there from 2001 to 2005 and when I, uh, I pretty much 
you know, I knew I wasn't going to be moved, you know, because ultimately you want to be the main guy at a station, right? You don't want to do weekends for the rest of your life. And I was seeing in 05, I was 34 years old um, and I'd just gotten married. And the GM of the station, um, when I was in Scranton, she was the GM in Scranton. I was only in Scranton for 10 months, believe it or not. I got the Norfolk job pretty quick um, when I was in Scranton. But the GM in Scranton got a job as the GM here in Albany, um, WTEN, Channel 10. And she had me come up in, um, you know, I started here in Albany in September as a sports guy. And it was, it was a tough, I got to tell you, you know, it's been 16 years. So I think I can sort of open up about this now. It was a really tough um, time for me because, you know, they, 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 you know, it's a cruel business of radio. And, and I tell everybody in this industry, you know, in radio and TV, you haven't been in the business long enough to not get fired. So if you've never been fired, you haven't been in the business long enough. You're going to get fired. You're going to get replaced. Someone's going to come in and be cheaper and, you know, have a better haircut than you. And, and, and you're going to be out of a gig. And, and it's hard to, to swallow uh, that. And, you know, I learned pretty hard. Um, you know, at the time, though, I had, pretty, I had a pretty good career sort of climbing the ladder. And I got some lucky breaks. And um, so I replaced, uh, getting back to what I said, it was difficult. I replaced a guy who was at Channel 10 for a long time and he didn't have his contract renewed. Now, it wasn't my fault, right? You know what I mean? Like, but they, uh, Mother Teresa could have been the new sports guy at Channel 10 and it would have been hard for that person to walk into that environment, you know, and they didn't bring the main guy, the weekend guy didn't, didn't get the main job and then I got the main job and there was it just it was a really it was a tough time in my life and I'm opening up to you and your viewers and listeners guys but it was a tough time in my life um because here I was a new city I had just been married for like months and I come to Albany and you know people didn't like me not for my work just because I was not I wasn't the guy who I replaced and I was not, you know, the guy that um, the weekend guy who didn't get the job, you know, there were a lot of people who were buddies with him, you know, felt he deserved it. And, you know, I didn't make that decision. I just got the gig and showed up. Right. So it was very tough, um, you know, very tough time for me, the transition, because I wanted to get along with everyone and, you know, I just, I, I thought to myself, you know what, here I am. I'm the new guy. People probably don't like me because they felt like someone should have gotten the job instead of me. And I get that. I understand it. You know, at the time I was 34, so I wasn't as mature. I didn't understand it as much. And I just wanted people to like me. And, you know, it was, it was tough, man. It was really tough for me being at channel 10 in the beginning. Cause I didn't have a lot of friends, man. I didn't, People didn't really like me and it had nothing to do with me. And I think that was the hardest thing about um, transitioning. That was the hardest job I ever had because any other time in my career, I've gotten a job and I was embraced and, you know, my ideas and it was, you know, I was new and I was, you know, learning or I was hired and, and they were excited to have me. And it was just, 
it was not a great environment, but I thought to myself, you know what, Francine, and my wife's name's Francine. I said, you know, we didn't have Zach yet. This was 05. I said, Francine, I, I'm going to, and, and I talked to, you know, I talked to a lot of the people in, in the business that I'd worked with on the way up and they were at like CNN and Fox news and NBC. And they all said, Brian, you can't control your reputation, right? You can't control that. All you can control is how hard you work. So I just said, you know what? They may not like me because I'm not whoever, but I'm going to work so freaking hard that they're going to like and respect the work I do. And I think it was just put my freaking head down. Don't make any waves. Try to get along with everyone. And I said, eventually people will just like me for me. And that's kind of what I did. It took a while, you know, to get acclimated with people in the building and for people to sort of embrace me. Um, but I worked hard. You know what I mean? And I, I think when you work hard and you're there for 15, 16 hours a day, you know, they could say, all right, well, this may not have been the guy we wanted to have this job or we didn't think we want, but he does work his butt off. And, you know, there's something to be said for that. And I think that sort of maybe won some people over when I was at, at Channel 10. Um, and I got respect, I think, you know, and even in the market, the, the, the sports people in the market were probably surprised that, that I got that job and the weekend person didn't and 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 the main guy who was there for so many years wasn't the main guy anymore you know there was some eyebrows raised in the albany market and you know i think it was a matter of winning them over too uh at least you know you know learning the market you know sienna was fran mccaffrey was at sienna at the time and will brown was was at you albany was a great run for both of those basketball teams they i think from 05 to like 2013 or something, maybe 2015, either Albany or Siena made the tournament every single year that I was here. So it was good. But what I was going to say was I, I had to even earn respect of the local sportscasters because I was the new guy. So that was a tough time in my life. Um, but it was, I think it helped me grow as a person. And I think it made me stronger. Um, you know, it was at the time, though, it was really, really tough going into work, to be blunt with you. I'm opening up to you guys. I appreciate it. It's very, I appreciate you that very much being open and vulnerable and having this forum to talk about these things you may have never had an opportunity in your career to talk about before. I thank you for doing that and doing this. I just want to add something to that, too, because look, you've had these conversations you told us about being close to people close to your home, close to your friends, and you've moved across the country, basically, to a place you don't know a lot about. And it's hard to find people to be that support staff. You mentioned that you're married at this point, so you do have a support staff at that point, but it's not like you were comfortable being with that. And then to the airport, you mentioned your age, you were 34. There are some people who are 24, 29, who are early in their careers and not like you have the experience, who might just conform and just, all right, this is how we're doing it. I'll just do it this way. But you've had so much success early in your career, like, no, no, no. Like I'm confident in my abilities, even though people might not like me at this point, I know what I can do. And if you guys just give me a fair shake, like, let me prove it. Like, I know what I'm doing and I know I can be successful at this. I'm sure you battled with that constantly throughout that first oh. time over there at 10. Well, it was also, I was, again, I was also a lot different than what was on the air before me. And I was pretty different than anything in the market that was going on at the time. I mean, I would sing on the air, I would make rhymes and you know, I would, I would do like, I created a freaking board game. Our show was called first and 10 
our Friday night football show. So like my last year, there's would have been like uh fall of 07. I, you know, we had like a hit of the night we called stick of the night. And so I was like, all right, congratulations guys. You're, you know, guys of April park high school, you know, Tom Goslowski, April park high school. You're the, you're the stick of the night. Uh, you know, you're entered to win our stick of the year award. And you're also eligible to win stick of the night, the board game. So I like said that as a goof on the air. And then like, I kept saying it and Jamie say it was the weekend anchor. At, um, you know, I hired her to be the weekend anchor. I said, Jamie, I think I have to freaking create a first and 10, the board game. So if you actually go on YouTube, you Google sync off or WTEN first and 10, the board game. I actually created that board game <laughs> and we had the, the, the station. We freaking made it and we gave it to like the players of the year and drew Smith. I don't know, you know, Drew, Drew played at Gilderland and then played at Albany and was uh, did a cup of coffee with the Buffalo Bills. He won the player of the year. Like we gave big school and small school player of the year. He won player of the year. And now he's a trainer at the gym I go to. And he says, I still have the freaking board game. So it's just like really funny, but, but yeah, I mean, I just, I was different, man. I was, I was a different kind of sports anchor. And I think it's probably a combination of where I grew up, where like the sports guy grew up. I mean, George Michael was the sports guy I grew up with. Remember, he had the sports machine. Like, he was our local NBC sports guy when I was a kid. And then he has this nationally syndicated show. But, like, a, another guy I grew up with was the guy, going back to part one of this, I, he was a, when I was a sports producer at the CBS affiliate in Baltimore, his name was John Buren. He was the main guy. So different, so, you know, he's re long retired now, but I was, like, his one of his producers. And he was just very different. Um, very funny. Like I loved humor. It was, you know, to give the scores and the sports was not me. I had to, it was boring. You know, you had to, you have to have entertainment value. And I kind of model myself after that a little bit with my own personality, sort of a sarcastic tone. And um, as you can't tell, and, um, and, you know, I was different. And I think when I got to channel 10, you know, people looked at me like, well, this is not we're used to having oatmeal and I want my cream of wheat and this is, you know, fruity pebbles. What the hell's going on? So there was some of that too. For sure. You know what? Shout out to Drew Smith, by the way. We'll give Metabolic a shout out because 2022, yeah. uh, there might be a story out there. I believe Drew Smith, when he visited Albany, was on the same official visit with myself and his soon-to-be teammate, Ben Carl, who also played at Albany. So Drew and Ben, one of my friends from back in Syracuse, are buddies. So Drew, if you're watching metabolic tim if you're watching at metabolic our guy kyle Ragos from we talk fantasy let's talk about you guys joining in 2022 so shout out to drew smith who knows Maybe there you go your guests there are getting there with guys to talk about those stories i think drew's got a story about fred jackson by the way that i want to get out of him at some point next year but uh you're talking about channel 10 now some people might know you from 104.5 the team kind of take us through what happens here over the next 18 to what is it 24 months this yeah. timeline of how radio comes back in your life all right so I'm at the radio. I'm at the TV station. It's now the station we were owned by was Young Broadcasting, Channel 10. I'm talking. So Young Broadcasting stock, and this was like, I want to say this was the, when the when the market crash happened. I don't know when that was at 08. I don't know when in 08, but it was around 08, 09. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But this was, I think, before the market officially crashed. This was January of 08. Young stock was worth 52 cents, okay? And the company was hemorrhaging cash. So 
January, I don't remember what the date was, of 08, they let me go at Channel 10. They like got rid of, I think, 15 of us in a day. And they had pretty much gotten rid of every sports. They own like 10 stations. They pretty much got rid of every sports director in the market at the same time. And I think that was actually, it was two things there. One, when I got let go, it was like a bloodbath. It was like Bloody Monday, we called it. And I came in, you know, because you come in as your sports guy, you come in a little later, you know, like 2.30, 3 o'clock. So the bloodletting had started in the morning. And then like in the afternoon, I came in, I got called upstairs and people were like looking at each other. Remember, I was not the most liked guy when I got there. And I, and, and, you know, still I, I had some friends there and people, a lot of people there was at this point, I, I think maybe I'd earned their respect. But when they saw I got called upstairs, like, Brian works his ass off. He's here like every night to one in the morning, filing tape, editing, doing whatever he has to do. He got, when I came down, I, it was like, to me, it was, it was really weird. It was like jarring because there were so many people in the newsroom crying when I lost my job. I was like, it almost felt in a weird way, guys. It was like, well, I finally feel welcome here. You know, like all these right. people were empathizing with me that I lost my job. Maybe I'm not Satan after all. So I lost my job and I got to tell you, this is a really funny story. So I was in shock. My wife was six months pregnant at the time, dude. Okay. I was like, you know, I'm one of these guys, like, I don't know. I always have confidence in myself and I'm like, I'll figure it out. Like, you know, my wife, I'm freaking, oh wait, I'm 37 years old, right? And I'm like, wow, what am I going to do now? This is my whole career. We moved up to Albany. It's two and a half years later, and I'm blown out by the job that brought me here. You know, um, it was a good job. You know, it was, you know, pay was good, which is probably why they let me go. So um, I was like, what am I going to do? So uh, I started sending my tapes out everywhere, and I didn't know if I wanted to do TV I had gotten some bites from some smaller stations. I don't even remember where. I mean, I had job offers and it was a little bit less money, but I was like, I don't want to move to, I don't know, one was like South Carolina or I was like, I don't want to move to South Carolina or North Carolina. I don't even remember where it was. I had a job interview in Atlanta as well. And I didn't really, actually it was kind of weird. I didn't know what that, like I, it was one of those things where like you get to the interview and you're like, okay, this guy's telling me I'm here for this job. This guy's telling me I'm here for this job. The news director is telling me I'm here for this. And the GM is telling me I'm here for that. By the time the interview ended, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what, what are you, you know, I even asked, I was like, what am I here for? So I was like, I don't really want to, I didn't really want to do that. So, um, I, uh, I got a call from, um, actually, I think I called Greg Bobbitt, who is, works at, at the time was Time Warner Cable and now Spectrum, but he sort of was the sports guy that, you know, back then Spectrum or Time Warner back then, they did a lot of Albany games on TV and Siena games and Union and RPI hockey. They pretty much had two or three games every weekend. And maybe one or two during the week. They did a lot more than they're doing now, which is Spectrum. I think their business models changed a little. So they always needed some on-air talent. And I called him and he knew me from the TV. 
and the like i probably lost my job on like a monday that friday i was freelancing in an rpi hockey game doing sideline reporting you know it was i had to dust myself off a little bit you know it's like okay this is kind of what i'm doing so I started just as many games as he needed. I was doing freaking women's Albany games, Sienna women's games, all uh, Sienna men um, uh, sideline reporting, you know, Albany sideline reporting. Uh, I was, you know, doing lacrosse. Actually didn't get to the spring. So it was really much that just that winter season of 08. But a funny side story I had at the time, I had a PlayStation 3 and I had the game Rock Band, right? I'm doing this freelance stuff. <laughs> I, I love playing the drums on rock band, right? You ever play rock band? Yes. The drums were so awesome. So my wife was wor still working at the time. Thank God she's working, you know, um, in like the mental health field. She comes home. It's like five 30. I'll never forget this to this. We told my son the story. He laughs. I'm wearing sweatpants. It's like freaking February of 08 sweatpants. And I'm like, she comes in, I'm like, I can't talk. And I was like playing a Coheed and Cambria song on hard. I'd never freaking got through the song in my life. And I freaking finished the song. And I was like, yeah, I did it. I freaking beat the song. I got through the song. And she was like, I think either laughing, crying, or wanting to file a divorce because she's like, you have no freaking job, dude. And you're playing Coheed and Cambria songs on drums in the middle of the goddamn living room. And I'm six months pregnant. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I mean, I, <laughs> I, 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 it was literally, I swear to this day. All right. So that was like Jane. So I was freelancing, you know, for Spectrum or for Time Warner Cable Sports. So then in uh, what month? March or April of 08, Greg Bobbitt, who, who gave me the freelance, and he, I'm forever indebted to Greg because he really, you know, and I've thanked him since, but he really lifted me up from a tough time when I was out of work at, from Channel 10 and sort of a transition. He said that W uh, that, that 104.5, the team, they had no local presence at the time. They didn't have an afternoon show. They really, it wasn't even, they had just moved to FM. They were an AM station. They didn't really have any local presence. And um, Greg said, you know, they're looking for someone. I threw them your name you know, go there. And I was like, today? And I was like, all right. So I met with, you know, like Bob Osfeld and um, uh, Jake and, and some of the people there. And I, they said, come back in a week with a show that, you know, give us what you would do with the show. And, you know, they, they sort of knew me from Channel 10. And, you know, I had a name in the community a little bit. And I basically with my wife, I thought about a radio show that I would want to do and I would want to listen to that would be so different from what anyone has ever seen. And I talked to my sports director in Norfolk because he was a radio guy as well. <clears throat> he was still doing TV down there. And I, getting back to what I said in part one, I hated sports radio. Maybe my experience at the sports radio station in DC and Maryland soured me, but I just, I don't know. It was just, yeah. It seemed very boring to me at the time. Um, and, you know, there was, I didn't really like having people call up, like listening to people call up and 
state their opinion about something so stupid when they don't really know what's going I, I just I found it to be sort of juvenile and immature um it, I'm really giving you insight this is before I got into it right um just I said I want to do a radio show where people are going to laugh they're going to like remember it's going to be funny it's not going to be we're not always going to talk about sports like my radio show we freaking talked about how we'd survive in a zombie apocalypse i mean this was in like 09 you know what i mean like right when the walking dead was getting big um you know it was we played games like sink or swim you know i i i give a topic and people could call and sink me or swim and i was you know admittedly i was sometimes pretty rude to callers but i knew it made good radio hang you know, on hang on, hang on before we get into the actual thing i just want to pause right there just for some two things for perspective here uh for those who don't know the albany market this is going to be the first show ever locally for 104.5 team like you are going to yeah. break a barrier here there are other shows that have happened sports wise in albany but in comparison to other upstate new york cities whether it be syracuse buffalo this is new this is still like kind of sports talk radio in general is probably still less than 20 years old uh, Roger Wyland's on a different affiliate at this point who's still active in the Albany market on radio. Uh, Freddie Coleman and John Tobin are doing a show on another yeah. affiliate. Like other people. Well, they were, they were already gone. They were right, already they were gone, gone, right? Right, but 104.5, right. the team is going into the ESPN radio venture. Do, can we go back to how you actually get offered the job? Do you know if there were other candidates? Oh, Before yeah. So give it to you, what happens? Yeah. Well, I go back. Um, I, so I like I said, my I sat in, a, in that office for my office at home for a week. And I came up with ideas like, here's what's going to be called. It's going to be called Sound Off with Sync Off. It's catchy. People will remember it. It's good. Um, here's what it'll be called. Here's what we're going to do. And again, I had a blueprint. I literally had a packet of like my show. I probably still have it somewhere. You know, this is what I want to do. This is why it's going to be different. We're going to have guests. You know, we're going to, we're going to have, you know, it, it's going to be fast paced. It's so I, they really liked it. And um, they said, well, to pay you more, we'll, we'll have you be the program director as well. And I'm like, I hadn't done friggin' radio since UMBC in 94, right? Like for three years. And I was just a, the play-by-play the -play guy. I didn't really, I didn't have any idea what a, you know, a radio station program director entailed. But, you know, you're sitting here playing Coheed and Cambria rock band on a Tuesday in sweatpants. You'll freaking be the PD, right? So I said, okay, I'll do it. And I, I figured, well, it's just, I mean, let's face it. Most people in radio didn't go to Harvard. So I was like, I think I'll be okay. I'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so that, that allowed them to pay me a little more money. And, um, and I don't know if they interviewed anyone else, you know, again, I don't, I didn't really get into that. I just, I kind of wanted, you know, when you don't have a job, it's beggars can't be choosy thing. But it was something that I thought was really cool. I was like a little nervous about it because I hadn't done radio in so long. Like I did radio. I filled in a little bit when I was doing stuff in Baltimore. Like I, this guy, Stan the Fan, I was, again, one of my, I think I had four jobs at once because I was like an update guy for his show in the early 90s. Dude, that's when like the AP wire would just print out on a, on a printer and you would like rip the wire off and read scores. There was no computer. You would like the wire would just constantly be feeding you scores. And I'd rip the wire off and circle three stories I'd read and then go out and do the updates with him. And then he'd have me on. We talked, it was an or a very big Oriole station um, in Baltimore at the time, WCBM. So I was on with him as well. 
But other than that, I didn't have any radio experience. So they hired me and I got there and actually LeVac uh, was on um, the country station at the time. He sort of, um, you know, showed me the ropes of radio a little bit and, and helped me get the thing launched. Um, so he was sort of a liaison to help out because I really had to learn on the fly and, um, you know, I had media members on and like my friends in the TV business and stuff come on. But yeah, that's when I got the job and the show launched in April of 2008. The yeah, show. April. Yeah. And then you mentioned my pal Levac there. This is really the launch of ESPN radio in the capital region where a lot of things you're going to do on the show because you are show number one. You're going to be the flagship show. You're going to find out if stuff's going to work. What's not going to work, what people are responding to, what people aren't responding to. Uh, yeah, LeVac's from the countryside, but kind of building the station when it comes to commercials and longs and inventory and all that stuff. So 104.5, the team is a station in comparison to other upstate New York markets is probably behind the ball. But still, you're getting local sports in the 518 different cities and things like that. How would you, I guess, self-evaluate being somebody who was getting to like radio again? Year one, year two, what was the response? Were you happy? Would you change? What were some of those things early on that maybe you look back and say, ah, I would have done this different or, man, this was better than I thought it was going to be? That's a good question. I mean, you, you know, it's good to be critical of yourself. I think I was sort of, you know, I was still an outsider in this area at the time, right? So... And you know this from coming here, you know, there's always the the new, you know, the guy, the transient, how long is this person going to be in Albany for, right? Is he using us as a stepping stone? Is he going to dog our area? Like now, you know, I might rip on our indoor lacrosse team, but I'm from here, man. Like my son is born in Albany Med. My kid goes to Bethlehem Middle School. You know, like he's born, like we're a 518 family. So yeah, I got the DC roots, but this is my home now. But back then I was only here in this area for three years. So I think you had to sort of earn trust of the view, the listeners that you were here for them. Uh, but I think the show, I'll never forget this. I, I realized the show started having an impact. Two things happened. And I, I look back at this now and it's like crazy. But like December of 2008, the show had been on for about eight months. I mean, we would get, you know, we would log our calls because they wanted to know how the show was. We'd like 70 to 100 calls a show. It was freaking crazy, dude. Like crazy. I'd run a lot of contests. I'd run, you know, like, a, you know, uh, retro rosters. You, I'd name like three players on a team. And one of those guys is only on the team for like one year or something. So it was it wasn't just like the Yankees, you, you know, Jeter, Bernie, and Posada. That could be the Yankees from, you know, 95 to 09, right? It would be Jeter, Posada, and like, you know, uh, Keigawa, like the one year he played. And you'd have to like come up with the year that they were a team. And it was, and we'd give away prizes. It was just, it was different, right? But I think the, the when I realized like, wow, this show's getting big, was in December of 08, we had done this thing called, and I still, to this day, people talk to me about this, like on the street. Uh, I talked about old starter jackets on the air, right? 
Remember the satin start, not the yeah. freaking ones from the nineties, the eighties ones, dude, the starter satin starter jackets. Now I in and you got to remember in that era, there was no internet. So you pretty much had to go with the freaking, you had to go with the team that, you know, the, the, the store that sold your stuff, right? My dad and my mom and dad were divorced when I was a little kid. My dad lived in LA in the eighties. I had a freaking light blue UCLA starter jacket, dude. Sick, right? <laughs> Google that. That though you don't, you do not touch the light blue starter jacket UCLA in like '86. I had that puppy, right? Look at that thing; it's beautiful. So we did the starter jacket. Um, we started talking about starter jackets, and the phones lit up. And you know how like you you do a thing on the show and. You think it could be the greatest thing in the world and it sucks and you have to switch topics or you're like, I'm just going to start talking about this. It's unplanned and, you know, you don't know if it's going to work. Next thing you know, that's lighting up and you're like, screw this. Let's throw away the script. Let's just do this. So then we created a contest and we made it huge that um, that people were. uh, gonna take pictures of the if they had starter jackets from back then, take a picture of themselves wearing their starter jacket or email in your photo and we're gonna do a freaking starter jacket challenge, a bracket of all the people in the capital region in the best starter jacket. And we've had people vote on like I'll never forget the guy with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that that peach orange faced off against the dude in the Hartford Whaler starter jacket that they still had. It just got so big. And we had like girls from the traffic and, um, and uh, sales department. They, we had them sing a jingle starter jacket challenge update. You know, it was like, it got so big. It was just, we ran that contest for like a month. And uh, I realized then I was like, wow, this show is it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's getting, you know, and our ratings were good. Like we, we did very well in the ratings and um, we also, the other thing, so there was that. And then the other thing, when, when I had a con, I ran like two or three games a day because I didn't want to just talk about sports all day. Like to me, that was boring. Right. I mean, how much can you talk about Daniel Jones's neck injury? Right. I mean, it's, I didn't even know what the hell play that happened on by the way, but whatever, like, so I, again, I wanted to do a show that I would like as a, I, I also wanted to do a show that my wife who doesn't like sports that she could tune into and she may not like the Daniel Jones talk, but she knew retro rosters was coming up or something funny that was going to be talked about was coming up and it'd make her laugh. So the other thing we did, this was crazy. Um, been 2010. So I would have, um, I would have like um, the first caller for a game would be on the air. And if the first, the questions were always pretty hard, but if the first caller got it, they would, I said, oh my God, you're like a hall of famer. And I was like, screw it. Let's create a hall of fame. Kind of like I did with the first and 10, the board game. So we had a sound off with Sinkoff hall of fame. And it was only people that were answered the question correctly the first time. But not like, you know, either Retro Rosters, Syncopedia. Um, there was like two other games that were eligible. And it was like really hard questions. And we had a Hall of Fame. And dude, 
I kid you not, the Gideon Putnam in Saratoga called us and said, we'll host your Hall of Fame banquet and all the Hall of Famers can stay here on us. We will give you a bus to downtown Saratoga for the that Saturday night and, you, you know, and just just promote us. I, I, I joked our freaking Hall of Fame banquet. We had filet mignon. We had open bar. <laughs> Dude, I kid you not. The sound off with sink off Hall of Fame was probably expen- more expensive than 50% of the weddings out there. No disrespect <laughs> to anyone. Dude, we had like 200 people at the Hall of Fame dinner. I mean, I didn't have, I had a Hall of Famers, you bring a guest. And I like, here, all right, this is a funny story. Fran McCaffrey, who I became very good friends with Fran because he was one of our weekly guests on our show, right? Like a paid guest. I said, Fran, you're going to be the guest speaker at the Hall of Fame. He loved it. His sons were little when he was here. And one thing I did one time was at a Sienna game for charity, I dressed in a cheerleader uniform and they brought in a dunk tank at one end of the Times Union Center. And at, during a Sienna game at halftime and before the game, people would come and throw balls at me and dunk me in the freaking water. And <laughs> Fran's kids, Connor and Patrick, who now play on Iowa, freaking Fran tells me they go in the locker room before the game and they go, dad, can we get 20 bucks? We want to sink, sink off. It was called sink the sink. So like they're freaking firing balls at me, like the for these little kids, you know, they're like 10 years old, it's his kids. Anyway, I say, Fran, you gotta be the guest speaker at my hall of fame. So this is funny. This is, um, oh, this is 2010. Yeah, it's 2010, like March, April, 2010. The hall of fame banquet's gonna be April, 2010. He calls me, he goes, Brian, this is kind of inside baseball. You'll like this. He goes, Brian, I see your banquets in April, April 26th. Uh, between you, me, and the lamppost, I don't think I'm going to be the Sienna coach in April 26th. I pretty Whoa. much, yeah, I pretty much knew he was gone, leaving to go to Iowa before he made the trip to I, you know, made the announcement. He said that as a courtesy, knowing I wouldn't say anything to anyone. Now it's obviously cats out of the bag, right? He's been there for over a decade. But I kind of knew, so I had to get in. I was like, oh, my God, we had promoted Fran McCaffrey. We needed another guest. So I got, at the time, Nate Lehman, you may not remember, is the union coach who, uh, before Rick Bennett, who's the union coach now, took over. Lehman was the coach, went to Providence. Lehman, I think, said Providence now, took them to the final four. They may have won a national championship, if I'm not mistaken. I don't follow college hockey that They did. Yeah, they did. Well, he was the he was the coach that won the national championship for him. So Nate Lehman was the sound off with Sinkoff um, Hall of Fame guest speaker. So like those two events were great. They were they were highlights. Well, somebody who may for the first time hearing about sound off with Sinkoff, if they're listening from somewhere else in upstate New York, they're hearing about the success. They're hearing about the Gideon Putnam and the callers and the, what doesn't make sense here coming up is how this ends. Well, Take us through it. Like, even me, who was living in Syracuse at this point, is learning a lot of new stuff about the history of 104.5, the team. I knew who was there before me, but I I really don't know how this ends with you. So maybe this is the first time you've been able to share this in a public forum. Maybe it's not. Take us through what happens at the end of Sound Up with Seacall from your perspective. Before Brian tells us that story, we want to tell you about the people that make this podcast possible. Support these great businesses like you support this podcast. First, our friends over at Mohawk Honda. It's the holiday season. 
Whether you're saving for Hanukkah or Christmas, whatever it might be, some people don't even think about a vehicle in December. Let me tell you about the deals going on right now at Mohawk Auto. I know from experience, I'm having it happen for me right now. I'm getting into the 2022 Pilot. How? The Pilot programs that are being offered in December. If you want to learn more about that, call up Mohawk Honda. Stop over to Freeman's Bridge Road and ask for Greg Johnson, Cam McKenna, Jake Doyle, whoever it might be who can help, Lindsey Harrington and more. They want to make sure you can get into a ride that you can afford, that fits your lifestyle, your budget, and everything else happening for the future. It's happening for me. The same can happen for you at Mohawk Honda. By the way, LeVac and I will be joining you Monday, December 20th. If you need the perfect time to be there, Monday, December 20th, 4 to 6, walk around, enjoy the show, LeVac and Goss, and then ask about a new vehicle that you can get into in December. Mohawk Honda's 12 Days of Giving going on right now as well. Head over to their Facebook page where you can nominate your favorite charity, and Mohawk Honda just might be donating to them this holiday season. It's Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. And our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy, helping people for decades across the capital region. Now they can help you. This holiday season, the number to call is 518-272-5922. 518-272-5922. Visit them on 6th Avenue. How can they help you? How about upgrading that furnace? Are you hosting relatives? Or friends this holiday season? Is your home really as safe as it can be? Check out the Goodman Furnaces. Made in America. Dependable and efficient. Get the upgrade going for you this holiday season. What about something as simple as making sure your air filters are changed? Maybe there's a new way to have that air purified in your home. Or do what I did. Grab that new nest to make sure if anything goes wrong, you're going to be ready to go at your house. Safety is so important. Even more important when you're spending time with the people that mean the most to you in your life. Johnstone Supply in Troy knows that. For more information on Johnstone Supply in Troy, check them out on Facebook as well. Visit them on 6th Avenue in Troy. Say what's up to our guy, George, Tom, Kev, James, whatever it might be. Some of you haven't put up your Christmas lights yet. Get a ladder. Figure it out. My guy LeVac grabbed the one in there. All those things can happen for you right now. Johnstone Supply in Troy, making sure your home is safe this holiday season. Now, Brian Sinkoff, tell us what happened. Yeah, well, I mean, I shared the TV side, right? I never really talked publicly about that. Um, the radio side. Okay, so I had gotten there in 08. So I was let go in September of um, 2011. So probably summer of 2010, um, uh, Brian No, and I know you had Brian No on the show. He comes in as the new program director. And um, it was kind of odd the way the whole thing happened. And, and again, much like I replaced the guys at Channel 10, you know, Brian was in that spot, you know, a little bit um, coming in and, and you know, in the, in the team. So, you know, it's not really Brian, you know, he was put in the position. Like, I don't, you know, I look back now and my feelings about certain people in the industry have changed as I've matured, gotten older and know that, look, he was in the position I was in at channel 10. So it's kind of, you know, it is what it is, but he came in and he, you know, he was going to be the new program director. And I didn't mind that because I freaking hated being the program director anyway. I didn't, you know, it was just like, I felt like doing the show four hours a day and having good content. That's a full-time job. Like I came in at nine, 10 in the morning. I was there at seven, eight o'clock every night. I didn't want to have to be thinking about jingles and writing commercials for the voice guy and putting them together. It was just a lot of work. 
So he came in, but they didn't really tell me they were doing this until he shows up for the interview the day of. And I'm like, what? Oh no, you'll you'll keep your you'll keep your host gig. I'm thinking, all right, it's corporate America. They're taking away the duty of program director, which is awesome. They're not reducing my salary. And I'm still going to do the radio show like that just to me. And I've been around enough and I've been around enough media places to know that just something didn't smell right. Right. So that was in like summer of 2010. So Brian's show was before mine. And, uh, and that sort of went on for about a year. And I just, I, I kind of, my inner man, just something, you know, for that year, I just, I, they started getting rid of people in the station. You know what I mean? It, it was the regime that hired me sold to town square in 2010. And so that next year I felt like it was sort of a, gradual whereas when i was at channel 10 young broadcasting blew out 20 of us in a day like that with town square it was sort of a gradual thing where the you know this, this higher up is gone after being in the you know building for 30 years and then this and i'm like this is not good um so summer of 2011 i really just got a bad feeling about everything like i don't think it was like end of the summer. I was like, I don't really think I'm going to be here long. Like I, I just, I knew it. Right. I said, I just, you know, you, when, when, when corporate's giving you less answers, when you ask questions and ignoring you, it's just, you know, I was smart enough to realize I was, you know, I was 40 at that time. So I'd grown a little bit and I was smart enough to realize, all right, this is, this is effed. So I talked with a bunch of people. And I don't even remember who it was, but they said, Brian, if you didn't do radio or TV, what would you do? Like, and I was like, oh my God, I've been doing this for 20 years. And this is what I went to school for. This is, we talked about in the beginning of this podcast. This is what I was trained to do. And I wanted to do since I was nine years old, driving to the Oreo game with my cousin, right? I'm like, I can't imagine doing anything different. But like, it got me thinking, what would I want to do? And I was like, I, I don't know. Um, at the time, our house was on the market. And um, because we were just going to move into something a little bigger, Zach was like, how old was Zach? Zach was like, just turned three. So he was, you know, you're in that age. How old's your kid? You have a uh, year and a half. All right. So you're, you'll see in the next two years, the kid's going to get a lot more mobile and need more stuff. And your small house is, or whatever you're living is going to be too small. I don't care how big it is. And you'll call me when that happens. But anyway, um, <laughs> sell it with sink off, baby. Um, nice. So I was like, we, we're, we got to move. So our house was on the market and I kind of saw what the realtor was doing. And I was like, I can, I think I can do this. And my mother-in-law, my wife's um, mom was a realtor at the time. Well, she, yeah, she was a realtor in Florida, living in Florida. And I was like, I think I can do this and I like it. And I wasn't, I knew that those freaking HGTV shows were BS. They weren't, you know, it was like 
the bachelor isn't real dating right this just into the newsroom that's not how this works i love that show by the way oh the bachelor i'm i'm he's here for the right reasons what no you're on a freaking reality show he's not here for the right reasons to find love he's there to get famous stop you dummy um i mean i i you know it's 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 the TV, I wasn't enamored with real estate because of the TV shows on HGTV. I was, I just liked real estate. And I talked to some people in the industry and I was like, what do you think? This is before I got let go. This is like my intuition, man. I, I had intuition. I said, what do you think? And they're like, Brian, people know you in this market. You're a likable guy. You're honest. Like, you know, you're not going to screw them over. I think you'd be really good. So when um, the time came, which was September, like I knew, man, I knew I was done. There's something. Here's how I knew I was done. Because two days before I was fired, they sent out a memo saying that, now we had control over the Sound Off with Sync Off Facebook page. Now, guys, this is crazy when I tell you this. The Sound Off with Sync Off Facebook page in September of 2011 had 6,000 likes, six, I kid you not, 6,000 likes. I, at the time, had a grand plan, not of doing anything deceitful, but when I knew I was going to get blown out, that sound off with sync off Facebook page was going to turn into the sell it with sync off Facebook page, and I have 6,000 people I could market to. Right. Right? Well, when the time came... They had said that all shows, Facebook pages, you would need, we would need the logins and the passwords to all shows, Facebook pages by Friday. I looked and I looked at my producer, Alan Fish, and I said, Alan, you may want to start packing your bags by Friday because I think we're done. So that night, Thursday night, I freaking packed up my entire office except stuff you could sort of see, you know sort of superficially you know what i'm saying like yeah you'd walk by you wouldn't see everything's off the wall but you'd see this stuff was gone the stuff you couldn't see was gone and everything out of my desk was gone i knew i was done so they called us after the show friday we went down to the corner office not a good ever you don't ever want to be in the corner office and they brought us to the corner office and they said you know we're moving in a different direction i asked them what direction was that was it down um because um, we were number one among men, 25 to 54. And our last ratings book came out like a week after I got let go. And we were like, we were number one, 25 to 54, like the Gazette and the Times Union, I think even did stories about it. So it was like an ego crush, um, but it happened at channel 10. And I was just like, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, it was, it was, I got to tell you, though, like when that happened, the TV, losing my job in TV was, you would think that the TV gig, because you're on television, you'd be a lot more popular than you were on the radio. But the radio's popularity was far superior to that of Channel 10. Um, and my firing was so public, um, you know, articles in the Times Union and the Gazette, you know, people commented and, you know, it was just everywhere. And everywhere I went, for the next three months, four months was what happened. You know, did you get arrested? Like they didn't understand. They're like, we may not have agreed with you all the time. And we know you hated the Yankees, but you know, what happened? And I didn't really, obviously I didn't go into all of this, but 
you know, it was, it was, it was kind of, I don't want to say humiliating, but it was, you know, I equate it to someone losing their job at their nine to five job at the state. You're in your cubicle and you get blown out. You can kind of ignore the other people around your cubicle. Like you don't have to deal with them. Right. Or because you run into a guy at, uh, you know, at Mohawk Honda, right. Or you run into a guy at the, you know, at, at, at the insurance place, Northeastern, right. Looking for your home insurance or whatever. They don't know what you did, right? They don't know at Mohawk Honda that you were at the, you know, you got fired from your state job. Well, I walked into there and they all go, it's sink off. You just got blown out. And it's like, oh, Jesus, you know, you don't want to be reminded you just got fired. So it really sucked in the beginning, but I, I had aligned myself up as soon as I got fired. Like my wife, man, it was like, I swear to God, it was like a machine, man. It was like, Okay, they sounded the alarm. Let's go. I, I enrolled the real estate class that Monday. I and I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. And I gotten a lot of job offers both locally and, and around the region. And I, you know, good places. I didn't want to do it, man. You know, I thought to myself, guys, there was a few ways of looking at this. I built a great thing at Channel 10, got let go, built a number one radio show at the at 104.5. The team got let go. I have been in media for 20 years. I was two things that came to my mind. I was sick of covering one, covering everyone else's life and not living my own. I felt like I was such the, you know, you were such chained to your job that you couldn't live your own life. Like I, you know, it sounds corny, but like being in real estate now, I've done so much with my son in his school. I was like the room parent. I'm the vice president of the, the middle school PTO at Bethlehem. I, you know, I volunteer at our synagogue. Like I'm able to go to the gym when I want to. And, and it's just, my life now is so much different than it was. And, you know, when I thought about what I'm going to do in, in real estate, you know, I thought if I move to X market again, and I get paid X dollars, is this crap going to happen in three years when they, when they bring in someone new and hire a consultant who'd unlike me, you know, I mean, I, it's just, is it worth it? And I was like, no, I'm going to do real estate. And I enrolled in the real estate class and got my license. And I was so nervous to, to, because I was, dude, I reinvented my career at 40, right. With a kid, it was kind of crazy, man. Like totally doing a different career. Honestly, I thought my inner man, I'm going to make it, but shoot, there's a 20% chance this doesn't work. And I don't know what I would have done. And, you know, it was, it was a trying time. It was, uh, you know, my wife and I really, she was like, Francine was great. She supported me every step of the way. She like followed me to, you know, with me to Albany. She helped me with the radio, um, supported me doing real estate. She helps me a lot with some of the social media stuff I do with coming up with some things. And, um, you know, it was a great decision. I, I'm, I'm at Muccio real estate. Now I've been doing this for 10 years. I've sold over 300 houses. I just had my best year of my life. Um, over $11 million, not that I made, but $11 million of real estate sold 40 transactions. Like it's, you know, I look back, now and i'm like i say to myself guys you know i'm glad what happened to me happened because i don't know that i would have been this happy with my life 
at 50 as I am now. Um, because I really feel like financially, I feel like I'm in a very comfortable place emotionally, physically. Um, I don't have to worry about, oh God, you know, like, did I write enough blogs this week for the station or, you know, is that topic that I'm going to do, is it not going to work? And, you know, I felt like I had to watch every freaking game too. Cause you know, this is a pretty savvy audience in Albany and they know if you don't watch the game. They're going to call you out on it. It's just like, you know, I didn't want to have to watch every freaking Yankee game for six months. You know what I mean? It was yeah. And, and, and Brian, it's amazing because for those who don't know this, you and I don't know each other. Like we've kind right. of gotten to know each other this past September just because we became Facebook friends and that's about it. But hearing that answer, and this is why you're the season finale, because I had a feeling, and I've said this to you a few times before, even hit the red button hit record. I said, by the time you and I are done talking, you're going to realize we have a lot more in common than you realize. I'm an Oriole fan. I didn't get to grow up in the Maryland area like you did, but I root for the Orioles and it's been a little harder to do that. And those stories you just told of the passwords getting changed, that email I got, I ignored because I knew it was over. When I started getting certain things that happened, I sat down with my wife and told her, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to get laid off either on the first Monday in January or the week of the inauguration, which is the third Monday in January. So just be prepared. That's when I'm going to get laid off. And I almost nailed it to the T, just like you did. And immediately, the real estate gig that you're talking about, I knew I was doing this. I knew, like I sat down with somebody and said, here are my guests for the first four months. Here's how we're going to do this for 2021. And if you don't know my story, go back and listen to the first two episodes because I guarantee you, and maybe you feel different about this, but if you'd got laid off in 2021, I think you would have done this. I think you would have gone to a podcast format and done real estate. I think you would have done both because you've had such a great career, two plus decades, different markets, talking to players and coaches and building a following and everything else. So even though you're doing real estate, I want to close with that because I think these are two questions I want to close with. First one is this, are you retired from sports media? And the question I want to close with is that if someone's like you post COVID, the great resignation, we're calling it in 2020, 2021, they might do what you did. They might be the next Brian Sinkoff and say, I did this for 20 years of my life. I'm ready to make a change. What do you tell those people the best advice to make a career change? But first, are you done? It's 2021, 2022. Will you ever come back and do this again? Golly, guys, you put a lot of pressure on me. Look, I had, I had, hey, had, you're closing out the season now and you had such a great interview. You've got to close out strong too. Well, I have had, even since I've been in the real estate, um, I mean, and, and it's funny, like I'm very appreciative. I have a lot of good, still have ties to media here. So when the local TV stations need like a real estate side of things, they always know they can call me and I'll make it work. And I know how to speak in sound bites for them. So that's been really good. But I have been asked so many times, Brian, start a podcast, Brian, do a this, Brian, will you do this co-hosting with me? Like, and I'm just like, you know, I don't ever want to say never, but I don't know if I'll have like PTSD. I got to tell you that I'm going to, branch off in a second i gotta tell you this because i still have this nightmare to this day guys okay i have this nightmare to this day and you may laugh because you may have the same one although you didn't really do tv i have a nightmare and i probably have this nightmare about once a month 
that I get to the TV station and it's 6.05 and I have no show written or edited and we're going on the sports at 6.25 and I'm in a freaking cold sweat trying to edit highlights or figure out exactly what my show content is going to be at 6.25. It's like a freaking weird dream that I still have. And right, it's like you being not prepared for a radio show. Like, doesn't that freak you out? I had it right? today with my wife where I told her, I'm like, I didn't get my stuff done. And like the show, I almost said the show to her. And she's like, I'm like, I can do this tonight. Right. <laughs> like, today, man, today that happened to me. Right, it's crazy. So I don't ever want to say I'm retired forever. It'd have to be a really good opportunity. Like full time, could I ever do this again? I don't think so. No way. I, I, I will tell you, I am retired from sports media. Um, yeah. Full-time gig. Absolutely. I mean, someone would literally have to say, Brian will pay you 150 grand a year for five years. And you, unless you get arrested, we can't fire you. That would maybe I would think about it, but even then I'm like, no, because then I'd lose all my real estate ties. So, you know, it's funny because when this happened to me at 40, I would like, I swear, sometimes I'd be sitting down, I'd be, you know, reading the scripts before a show and, you know, I prepare all day and I come out and I do a radio show and I start the show and I, I like in a commercial break, I think too, because I'm a very analytical, philosophical person, like psychology was my minor in college. And I really fascinated, read a lot of books about it. And I like think to myself, when I was doing the show 10 years ago, do I want to be doing this at 50? You know, like, did I, do I want to, this was a decade ago before I got let go. Do I want to still be a radio host at 50? I, I don't know. Like it seemed, you know, and again, it's maybe me being a little over analytical, but what type of impact do I want to make on on this earth when I'm here. Right. I mean, it's, a, I'm a middle-aged guy, man. I'm very different from 34 now and, and, and I'm much older than, well, how old are you? 30, 32, 32. Okay. Well, it's 18 years difference. You're going to mature a lot in 18 years. And I thought, do I want to leave this earth as only being a radio goofball and a TV goofball? And is that how I want to leave my mark on the world? I don't know. I mean, maybe I made people laugh and I entertained people and that was fun. But I'm telling you, I was thinking of this even at the end of my radio career, like, do I want to be talking about the Yankee pitching rotation in 15 years? Uh, maybe something about that would maybe burn me out. I think I like real estate so much because every day is different. Um, you know, like today, I'll give you a quick example. Today, uh, there's a walkthrough at a house. I have a Niskiuna and the buy the listing agent. We have a closing tomorrow. They're doing a walkthrough tonight. And the buyer agent calls me and she's like, the retaining wall in the back, which was supposed to be fixed, is now collapsing even further. And I'm like, oh my God, the closing's tomorrow. These people are in Florida. Like my sellers are gone. I'm just like, I don't, you know, like we had the retaining wall repaired, but it wasn't fully repaired, I guess. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, like I like creating those solutions. You know what I mean? Like that's like poop your pants, real world stuff. Not like no one's calling about the Tanaka signing in, in, in Korea. Where, where did he go? Taiwan. Where yeah, did he, Taiwan? Matter, yeah. right. right. Like no one's calling about like, this is, 
So I came up with the solution and made it work and we're going to have the closing tomorrow. But I don't know. It's stressful. It's a different stress. And I don't really have a lot of days off, but like I can, at noon, I could go to the movies at Crossgates on a Tuesday if I want. I love that. Like I may work tonight till 11 or maybe work the weekend, but I can like work out tomorrow at 9 a.m. and not have to be somewhere. It's my own schedule. I, I do like that freedom. So that is my retired from sports media question. Yes, I would say I am. If someone wants to, if you want to have me as, an, as a guest like this, I love doing this, but could I do this full time again? No. Not even nope. a podcast once a week through Gonzo the Media. So I'll continue to recruit you after this podcast. All right. You don't have to don't I mean, I'll continue you know, to recruit you. Guys, you know, money talks. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, I was the house go for again. You're living in, in Glenville. I'll Zillow that after no, this. <laughs> it's Slinger, it's 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 Slingerlands, buddy. Slingerlands, not Glenville. Um, nothing, no disrespect <laughs> to Glenville. But I mean, I don't know. I, you know, you put me on the spot. You know, we'll, I won't say no to you guys, but I will say no to doing something like as my real job, you know what I mean? Okay. Like as my career. Fair, fair enough. And let's close with this. Let's close the season with this. We mentioned people changing transitions in their careers and everything else. It's almost been the theme of this from January, 2021, where someone's going to look to do something different, whether it's that college student who got a degree and all of a sudden they look at the work field. They're like, this is not what I thought I was going to get into whether it's someone who was laid off through COVID over the last two years, and maybe it's someone who is resigning and saying, I want to start something different. It's a weird world when we're taping here in December, 2021 for somebody who's done it, who's lived it. What is your best advice to someone who's looking to make that career change, how to do it? And what do you do through that process? Career change to get into it or. So let's say for instance, like you, you were in media, you went to real estate, maybe somebody went to school to be a, a broadcaster, they're going to become a nurse, they're going to now become a physical therapist, they're going to become a, a police officer. What's your best advice to somebody who's looking to make a career change in their life at this point? How do you do it? Well, well, I think you have to ask yourself one question. You have to ask yourself, well, two questions. One, is the juice worth the squeeze, right? So is what you're doing, are you, what you're putting in, are you getting out what you're putting into it and that could be financially that could be um, um personal satisfaction um i i said to my wife many times after the radio and the media ended i said francine you know being famous being known in the capital region doesn't pay the bills right fame doesn't pay the bills i mean that's a sound silly but we didn't get paid like you know robert downey jr for doing these shows um so you have to ask yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze? And is it what you want to do in the long run? Um, you know, I can tell younger people that there's, you really have to have a passion for this. Um, and it should never be about the money in the beginning. Cause I, the first decade of your career, you're going to be beg, you're going to be borrowing money from your parents and just hoping to survive um, with roommates and all this other stuff. And it sounds corny, but it's true. You got to really, really love what you do. You got to um, make connections. You got to be willing to work uh, in any city and you really have to be willing to do anything. And you go back to my story of doing lacrosse. I didn't even know lacrosse. Taking that shift on a Sunday night, my freshman year on the radio station, when the only place I was broadcasting was the building was physically closed. Like that's an example of 
you got to just do it and just get in the building and 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 you know as far as transitioning um i think you have to really think about the best balance of home life and work life and it's it's in this business in media in your business in 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 maybe people watching this it's a really hard balance you know a, a tv sports anchor is is uh, it's not really a great job for a family. You're getting home at one in the morning. You're leaving at two in the afternoon. When's dinner with the kids? It's tough. Um, so I, I think my best advice is do an internship. Don't wait till your senior year to do an internship. Make sure it's really what you want to do. Don't ever get into something because you think you're going to be rich off of it. I was told that in the very beginning. It was the best advice I ever heard. Brian, you're going to be struggling for the first five years of your career. And really, it wasn't until I got to like Norfolk where I made enough money that I, I don't want to say I was comfortable, but I, you know, I, I, I was okay with like, I have to worry as much about, am I going to pay the rent this month? Brian Sinkoff, it has been tremendous. This is the longest episode we've had, and I'm glad we got to do this. You were very open, vulnerable, honest. I appreciate all of those things. I'm looking forward to chatting with you, whether it's just private conversations, whether it's sell it with Sinkoff. Who knows what the future is going to hold for both of us in 2022, but hopefully it's all great things. Thank you so much for doing this and looking forward to talking to you again in the future. Best success. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah to everything and your family going forward. Hey guys, you too. And thanks for having me on. And, and to be honest with you, it was good to talk about some of these things. I really didn't tell a lot of people, maybe those closest to me, but it was good to get it out there. And I think after 10 years of being off the radio and, and uh, you know, 13 years of being off of TV, I, I was glad to share those stories. So thanks.